This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Good morning. Appreciate all the band does, the hard work they put in to uh, lead us in worship. How about you? My name's Tom. For those who may not know, our folks know that um, every now and then Rick is gone, and so I get to fill in for him. So that's my privilege this morning. We're in the middle of a series right now, or are not quite in the middle. I guess we're a little ways past the middle. It's called That's Why I'm Still Here. But you've got to say it just right. It, it took me a couple of weeks, and I'll see, you know, I'll see you up there every Sunday, but it took me a couple of weeks. I'm kind of slow. You have to say, that's why I'm still here, all right? And so we're looking at, why am I still here? Uh, Christ saved us, and we're here on the earth for a purpose. And so we're figuring that out. As we go through this um, series that we're in right now, we're talking about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to... Um, somebody tell me what a disciple is. We're in week seven, so someone should know. A little louder than that. A disciple, a learner, a follower, a learner. One person knows, that's good. <laughs> but that's kind of what we're talking about as a series, is that we're here to be a disciple of Christ. And when it first started, we talked about um, being Christ-like and what it means to be a follower or a learner of Christ, and that is to follow him and learn from him and, and try to imitate Christ in our lives, in our daily lives, as we go through this walk here on earth. Then we talked about uh, one of the ways that we can, or some of the ways that we can do that as disciples, we talked about our spiritual habits and that prayer and studying God's word and um, giving and fellowshipping with one another, learning from one another. That's another thing that we do as disciples. That's one of the ways that we become like Christ as disciples, is following and helping each other as we grow. And then a couple of weeks ago in the series, Andy uh, talk to us about sharing our faith and sharing our faith story and how important that is. If we're going to be a disciple or a follower of Christ, we've got to be able to share uh, what it means to be a Christian and share our faith story with other people. And that's called our mission. And you have that in your notes. Sharing my faith story with people in my family or my school, my workplace, my play place, that's my mission when I leave here and go out and share my story with other people. If being a disciple means a follower or a learner, then we have to have a mission because Christ came to save us, to seek and to save us. And so it's our mission to go out and help other people understand who Christ is and share our story. Last week, Ray began looking at what it means to be a servant, a minister, serving one another. And as a follower of Christ or a learner of Jesus, we learn from him, Christ how to serve other people, because that's what he came to do. He came to serve us, and he took it all the way to the cross. That was his purpose. So that was a ministry of Christ, and and so we have a ministry. If we're going to be a disciple or follower or learner of Christ, then we also have to learn how to serve one another, and that's what our ministry is. 
serving other believers. Last week, Rick shared with us how important it was to um, have a, a ministry among believers. That's what our ministry is, serving one another in the church. And he talked about the different numbers of people that serve here on Sunday, and he gave us the um, how many people serve and how many don't serve on Sunday. And here at Nags Head Church, we think, we think it's very important that people serve here on Sunday, if, if at all possible, um, because that's when believers come together. And if our ministry is serving one another in the church, then when we come together, that's an important time that we have to serve one another. So our ministry is serving each other in the church. Um, but don't get me wrong, there's also people who serve during the week in our church to one another. We have connection group leaders, we have people that work in the office and those kinds of things, and, and there's other ministry that goes on throughout the week, and those are important also. Today we're looking at how God has left us here to use what he's given us to help other people in, our, in their faith journey, help each other. That's what ministry is. It's me helping you. It's you helping me as we go through our walk on this, in this earth and our, our lives, as we live in our lives through the day, um, serving one another and growing together. Now, our folks um, in our church are in connection groups, and all our connection groups are going through the same series. Um, as we studied um, this past week, we talked about ministry. And uh, we had a pretty unique discussion in our group And one of the folks in our group, we were talking about this whole concept of of serving one another. How does that work in the church? How does that work when I serve you and you serve me and we each grow together and and each one of us helps each other? And and this person in our small group said, do not name me when you get up there. Sunday, don't don't call me out. So I won't do that. But they said, Ministry, when, when it works all together like that and people are working and serving each other and they're meeting each other's needs and helping each other grow, she said, it's like a big chain of awesomeness. That's what she said. And I said, I'm going to use that Sunday. And she said, that's fine, but don't call me out, whatever you do. <laughs> so I won't. But that's what ministry is, is helping each other grow as disciples and becoming more like Christ. All right, so the first thing we're going to look at this morning Number one you have in your notes there is, everyone is called to serve. The Bible clearly teaches that we are all created to serve God, each one of us. Even from the very beginning, when you look at the story in Genesis in the the garden, uh, they were there and they were serving God, serving each other. Even from the very beginning, God had a plan for us to serve I believe that within each person, there's also a pull from God to serve him in some way. The Bible says that he created us with a sense of longing for purpose, right? You know, everybody wants to have a purpose, and I believe God gives that to us when he creates us. I don't know about you, but I've always been fascinated with magnets, right? You know, when we're little kids, we're playing with magnets. You know, they do that in school where they teach you how that there's opposites. You know, sometimes you put them and they push each other away. And other times you turn them around and they, they draw each other like that. You know, and they have the little games. Anybody know, seen the little games for your kids that has the magnets and the sticks and you can build things and that kind of thing? And I, I don't know, when I was a little kid, I always liked the big magnets, you know. The, the biggest magnet you could find. Sometimes I would tear, you know, when a radio would break or something, I'd tear it apart because I knew there's a magnet in there on the speaker, you know. And so I would use that to play with. And 
and you could take, you know, like a big magnet you want to take and, and hold it up and see how heavy a piece of metal you can pick up. You know, you go around looking for the biggest piece of metal that you can pick up. And so we're all, you know, I've always been fascinated about that. Really big magnets is what I like. You know, it's the, you see on TV, the big, huge magnet that picks up the whole car, you know, that's really cool. But I see God's love, his call for us as his children, like a big magnet drawing us to him. But it's up to us if we an- to, to answer that call. That's a choice we have to make. I think, no, I know that God's desire for each of us, for every person, is for us to find a purpose and a place in him to serve other people, to serve on this earth. And that place that he wants us to serve is our ministry. That's what we call our ministry. Now, you don't have this uh, passage up on the screen. I I just kind of found this last night. I was reading through some stuff, but I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 22, verses 9 and 10 says, this is um, David kind to um, explain this whole idea that God was drawing him, has always drawn him to him. He said, you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Not in the sense that I didn't have a choice. He's not saying, God, I didn't have a choice. But he's saying that you made me by, you caused me to, to trust in you. Even at my mother's breast, from birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. So David understood that God had a plan for him even before he was born, that God was drawing him to him. And David, of course, answered that, that call to follow God. All right, we're going to look at a couple of stories today. We're going to look at three different stories about three different women. So the first one, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, First uh, Kings 17, verses 18 through 16. <clears throat> we're going to see that God had called this widow to serve him. First Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. Now, this give you a little bit of background before we read this. This was a time in Israel's history and the Jewish people's history where they were having kings above, you know, rule over them and, and lead them. And the kings were not always uh, godly. They didn't always follow God. They were rebellious and they were leading the people astray, worshiping idols and those kinds of things. And of course, the people were following them. So the people were in sin as well as the leaders. And so at this time, um, God sent a prophet, Elijah, and he told the king of that time, that there's going to be a drought. It's not going to rain. There's not going to be any dew. And he didn't give a specific time. He just says for these years, these coming years, there's not going to be any rain or any dew unless I, the, the, the prophet Elijah says, it's going to rain, then it will rain. But if I don't say it's going to rain, it's not going to rain. Come to find out, we know from later on that it didn't rain for three and a half years. And you can imagine uh, these people living in a land that was, you know, dependent on agriculture and growing their food, not having any rain for three and a half years. And God had a plan to preserve Elijah's life because if if it wasn't going to rain until Elijah said so, then God had to keep him alive so that he could say so um, or else, you know, it would have never rained. So anyway, God had a plan for him to keep him alive, and he took him down to uh, a brook, and he lived there, and the birds, if you read the rest of the story, the birds came and brought him food and kept him alive until the brook dried up. So after the brook dried up, the the water dried up because there was no rain, God spoke to um, Elijah, and this is what he said, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. 
Go, get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, please make me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now, I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to go to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. All right, so we see the story here. Elijah comes to this place where the widow is, like God had told him, and she's gathering up sticks. She's preparing her last meal. I guess what she's thinking that it's going to be her last meal because of the famine. Um, but it says that she's a widow. Evidently, her husband had passed away at some time. She has a young son. And one of the things that we think of when we think of widow is we think of an older woman. We think of you know someone who has lived their life and maybe their, their husband has passed away. But in the Bible, the, in, in the Old Testament and in New Testament times, when you talk, when it talks about a widow, they're not talking about necessarily someone who is old, a woman who is old, but just someone who has lost their husband. And so a lot of times uh, it could have just been a young widow. That she, you know, we're not sure how old this, this widow was. Probably not too old because later on in the story it says she has a, a boy, a young son. And so um, you think about the story of Ruth. You know, there was young widows in that story. And so don't think of a widow as necessarily someone old. But anyway, we're also told that she became a widow somehow. We're not sure how. It doesn't say how she lost her husband. It could have been because of the drought. Maybe he gave all his food to them and he died of starvation. Who knows? But for any reason, this lady, for her, in her mind, thinks these are her last days that she's going to die. And she's telling Elijah that. It's interesting that Jesus even mentions this woman, this widow, in the New Testament. And Luke, you can read that. He mentions her as someone that God had used who wasn't a Jewish person because she was not in Israel. If you, if you look at the map, this, is, this town that God sent Elijah to was up in Lebanon, up in modern-day Lebanon. So it wasn't even someone who was in the, in the nation of Israel that God was using to preserve Elijah's life. And Jesus points that out, that God uses a Gentile, used a Gentile in this Old Testament story to preserve Elijah's life and to serve him. And when Jesus did that, of course, the, you know the story, um, the, the, the Jewish leaders of that day became angry because he did. All right? So God chose this widow to serve Elijah. Her ministry was one that would save his life, preserve his life. Only because she obeyed, it also saved her whole family. 
The neat part of this story, though, is not so much the miracle. You know, we get so caught up in the miracle. Oh, you know, this lady had, you know, flour and oil until it rained again. God preserved her. He, he, it was like a miracle, you know. That was, the jar was never empty. But the really neat part of this story is in the very first verse that we read, second verse we read, verse 9, where God was talking to Elijah and he says, Look, I have commanded a woman who was a widow to provide for you. God had already prepared her before Elijah left the brook to serve him. He had been preparing her heart. He says, I've already commanded her. And so she had to make a choice when Elijah got there what to do, whether to make him some bread and possibly not have bread for her and her son or to, to disobey God and do, it, do what she wanted. But I like what Elijah says. He says, do not be afraid. He doesn't guilt her into making him some bread to keep him alive, but he answers the call that God had already given her. One of the things we need to be careful about in ministry is that we don't serve out of guilt, that we don't serve because we feel bad or we see other people doing things and and we feel guilty about it. The important thing about ministry is that God has called each one of us to a specific ministry. He's given us that call. That it's like a magnet. He's pulled us to that. He's given us a purpose. And the difference between being guilted and, and, and serving out of a calling is that uh, shame wears off. If someone shames me or embarrasses me into serving to, to doing a ministry or doing multiple ministries or, or, or that feeling I may have like I'm not doing enough, um, that can wear off, but a calling never wears off. If we understand where it is that God has called us to to serve him, we always know that's our purpose, and that is to serve God in a certain place, wherever it might be. Serving out of guilt also weighs me down because of the doubt I have. I never know if I've done enough or if I've got enough jobs or if I'm, I'm working enough hours for God during the week. But serving out of purpose, purpose gives me a sense of satisfaction. If I know exactly where my ministry is and I'm doing that and I'm doing that because I know God has called me to that ministry, there's a sense of satisfaction. I enjoy doing it and I love doing it and I know that's what God wants me to do. Serving out of compulsion can also cause anxiety and therefore I can't do my ministry as well as I should. So if I'm serving others because God has called me and he's given me a specific calling, I can do that ministry because I love doing it and I love the people I'm serving. And that's the important thing. All right? So the next thing we're going to look at is everyone is called to serve in our own way. If you're a grandparent or a parent, you probably know who Daniel Tiger is. Uh, I like that little series because he always has a little jingle, you know, and it helps us to remember and my kids, they know the jingles, you know, and we'll, we'll tell them something, especially Tommy. We'll tell them, you know, you're not supposed to do that. So he'll sing the little Daniel Tiger song because he just remembered that. But just like Daniel Tiger and just like preschool, we can all serve in different ways. And we all have different things to do um, in the church. And we can all serve God with our talents. Um, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do. Acts 9, 36 through 43. We're going to look at another story about a young lady. Well, a lady, excuse me, I don't know her age. She's not called a widow, but she's also, her husband is not mentioned, so it's not sure whether she was never married or what. 
But uh, look at verse 36. It says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And so, you know, this week as I'm studying, or not this week, but last week too, I was kind of studying. One of the neat things about studying God's Word, again, we talked about that as being a disciple, you've got to be able to study God's Word. As I was studying through this, I learned some pretty cool little things. I mean, I had read this story before, but I didn't, you know, really get in deep and read, uh, study and that kind of thing. But one of the neat things about this lady is her name is Tabitha or Dorcas. One word is the, uh, the Greek word and one is a, um, a Hebrew word, uh, her name. But anyway, what that simply means is gazelle. So she was named after a gazelle. And you ask yourself, well, I wonder why that is. I was, I was looking and doing some studying and stuff and come to find out, I didn't know this before, but gazelles have pretty eyes. Anybody ever see a picture of a gazelle? I never really noticed, but they have, evidently they have pretty eyes. And so evidently when this, this lady was born, when she was a little girl, I guess her parents looked at her and saw how pretty her eyes were, and so that's why they named her that. So evidently she had pretty eyes. But another interesting thing in verse 36, it says she was a disciple That's what we're talking about, a learner, a follower. And another very interesting thing about this story is that that word disciple in the original Greek language is only used one time in the whole New Testament. And it's, it's a feminine word, it's a feminine form of the word that we use for disciples, the male disciples. And so it simply means she was a female pupil. She was a female follower, but she was a disciple. All right, so let's start reading. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was also doing good works and acts of charity. And what that means there, what that's talking about is the words that he used there is that she had a habit of doing good works. I mean, it was something she continually did, good works, doing good things for other people, serving other people. In those days, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydia, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who begged him, don't delay in coming to us. So Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Then Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turned toward the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. Then then he called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known through Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed on many days in Joppa with Simon the leather tanner. So there's a pretty cool little story there. Again, another miracle story um, about this lady who, who died and, and Peter raised from the dead. This, again, she's called a disciple. It was something that she was doing. She was learning always and also serving, doing good works. It says that she sowed for the widows. And that, again, was an act of charity as giving back to these folks because, again, the widows... Um, in that day, had no way of making money. They had no one to take care of them that their family didn't. A lot of these widows, as we read, and when we did our Acts study, had come from other lands, and so they didn't have their family there to provide for them. And this was something that this lady did. She could sow, and so that's how she served the Lord, by sowing. 
She did good works. It was a habit. She was so loved and valued by these disciples that they felt that they had to go and get Peter and bring him back in hopes that they could bring her back to life. That's how valued she was. And this story in Acts 9 about this woman teaches us that no matter what our skills we may have, we can use them to serve God, to serve other people in the church. Now think about different people in our church who have different talents. And um, my wife gets mad every time I use her in the sermon, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think about the way she serves, and she is like a kid magnet. She'll tell you the same thing. I mean, no matter where we're at, kids just, she's like that magnet. The kids just go like that. We're we're up at Sam's Club a couple of weeks ago, and she's standing in line to get a drink, and there's two kids in there, and I look over there, and and within two minutes, these kids have already carried on a conversation with her, and they're talking to her, you know, and and that's not me. I don't, you know, I'm not a kid magnet. Um, Kids, I kind of repel kids more. (laughs) But that's not, that's not how God has shaped me. That's not how God has made me. But each one of us, I think about people in our church and the, and the different talents that they have and how they serve God and how they use those talents. I think about ladies who can cook like crazy, and they do that, you know. Whenever they have an opportunity, they, they cook food and, and serve people that way. And there, we could go on and on, talk about different people in our church and different talents. But I think you understand the point that whatever talents we have, whatever abilities we have, we can use to serve each other in the church. And that helps each one of us grow. And when it comes to the church, everyone's ministry is important and we can all help in different ways. Just like Daniel Tiger saying, we all can do something different. All right, next thing we're going to look at is number three is every one of us will be called to serve sacrificially. If we answer that call to be a disciple, if we answer that pull that God pulls us to follow him, to learn from him, and we make that commitment, I'm going to be a disciple, I'm going to be that follower, I'm going to be that minister of Jesus Christ, then at some point we're going to ask to give it all. We're going to look at a story in Mark 12, verses 41 and 44. I think we have that one up on the screen, right? Yeah. Let's read that. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he, talking about Christ, watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many people, many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. Now, I don't know about you, but the first few times I've read that story, you know, I've heard that story, I don't know, countless times, being in church and, and reading through the New Testament, those kinds of things. Every time I read that story, my mind first goes to, the lady the, that you may hear, the, the widow or the, the older, elderly person you hear that has given all their money to the televangelist. You know, how many people have heard stories like that? You know, they were, um, for, for lack of a better word, suckered into sending all their money to a televangelist because they made all kinds of promises that if you send me your money, it'll be doubled and 
that kind of thing. And so that's kind of where my mind goes first. And I have to stop myself because that's not what happened with this lady. We're not sure why she gave everything. It doesn't say. Again, maybe she was a young lady. Maybe she was a young widow. Maybe she was at the lowest point of her life and she felt like, this is what I need to do at this time to get myself where I need to be. Maybe she traveled from a long ways away and when she got to the temple to worship, all she had left was just a small amount. Maybe she had spent all she had to get there. Maybe she was elderly and she knew that it was at the end of her life and this was her last act of worship. We can suppose that maybe she, again, had traveled for a long ways to come and worship at that time. And this is what she could do. But you know what? It's not important why she gave all she had because it doesn't tell us why. It's important that she did and she was faithful. And, that God, and Jesus pointed this out. We do want to know one thing. She gave all that she had in an act of worship. And Jesus pointed out that it was how she gave that. It was she gave it all. It was her attitude. The other rich people, it says, the other people came and they gave large amounts. But the emphasis in that in verse 41 is not how much they gave, but how they gave it. They came to give as a show. They were doing it to show other people how much they were giving. The emphasis in verse 41 is, is that these Rich people, the people that were giving lots of big sums, that they wanted, they wanted everybody to look at them and say, look what I've done. It's a show for me. But this widow came as an act of worship and she gave everything she had. From my experience, if we're going to be a disciple of Christ, if you're going to take on that role, and if we're going to be ministers, that at some point we're going to be called to give it all. I'm not talking about your money. I'm not saying that Jesus is going to call someone to sell everything they have at some point. You know, everybody should do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving everything you may have emotionally or physically. I don't think the point of the story is that we should sell everything we have or that we should feel guilty if we don't give more money or if we don't give everything that we have until it hurts, hurts, hurts. I believe the point of the story is that this woman gave, that was what God was pulling, pulling her to do, drawing her to do, to serve him. What I believe from different many years of serving is that if you take this seriously, this ministry thing, if you take this being a disciple thing seriously, that God will call you into a place where at some point you're really going to have to dig deep and serve him. I think about different people in our church over the years who have done that. I think about someone who sat with a widow as she waited for the funeral home to come and get her husband who was in the other room. That's what ministry is all about. That's going and giving it all. I know people who have gone to other people's houses at midnight, almost midnight, to confront them about sin that was in their lives because it was destroying a marriage and then they felt like, and it was, it was the last ditch effort to save that person. I think about people in our church who have spent hours and hours praying and investing in other people who were in, living in addiction to help them overcome that. 
And I could go on with different stories of people who, who give way beyond what we think of being normal ministry. I think about people who have served sometimes 20 or 30 weeks in ministry and don't get paid for it above their jobs, you know, and it takes away from their family. And that's what it means to be a true, dedicated disciple. It may start by just joining a small team like the nursery team, you know, or being on the first impressions team, or being on the hospitality team. That might be the first step. But you never know where it's going to lead you, where God's going to call you to serve and that's what a commitment is all about. It's not how many jobs you do. It's not um, how many hours you spend. But it's your heart. It's about your heart. That's what being a disciple is all about. It's about answering that call, that pull to serve him. And so today, um, in just a minute, um, we're going to pray. Our band's going to come right now. And in a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you. But then when we've done that, when we've sung and we're getting ready to go, uh, we're going to be here. Uh, Andy and I will be out there at the, at the information center there. And we're going to be um, available to talk to you if you want to answers about some ministries that we have in our church. We can point you to some of our ministry teams. If you're not on a ministry or if you feel like God may be calling you to a different area, uh, we can help lead you there. Um, but right now, let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads. And uh, we're going to have a prayer. Father, this morning uh, we've looked at three different ladies, three different women who answered the call to serve you. Lord, they, um, they were willing to do the hard thing and give their time, give their talents, some of them even thought they were giving their lives to serve you. And so we, uh, as we look at them, we think about ourselves. Father, uh, each one of, our, of us are at a different call, a different stage of our walk with you. Um, some people are just uh, baby Christians, and they may just be starting out. And certainly, Father, um, you have a place for them in ministry. Some of us has, have been in ministry for a long time and been in the church, following you, learning Father, you may be asking us to um, step up to the next level. Not sure what that might be. But Father, I pray for these folks here today that you would help them um, be honest with themselves as they uh, look at their own lives, as they look at their ministry and how they serve you. Father, I pray that if there's um, a decision that needs to be made today for you, I pray that um, these folks here will be willing to do that to step up, Father, to, to take the next step in their uh, discipleship. They're following you. And Father, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.